Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Scale, our new series on the do's and don'ts for rapidly scaling startups. Today, we're sitting down with Gainsight CMO, Anthony Canada. Gainsight is the customer success company, and they pretty much invented the category at a time when few knew what customer success even was. Anthony arrived at Gainsight as employee number 19, and since then has helped launch Gainsight into its massive success. He's helped establish the company as a leader with its one-of-a-kind marketing efforts and brand. Anthony joined the podcast to talk about when you should build a category-creating brand, and more importantly, how to stay ahead once that category has been established. So let's jump right in. Anthony, thank you so much for taking yeah. the time to join us. I suppose just maybe we kick off, like I'd love for you to maybe give us the sort of rundown of your career today and how you yeah. uh, arrived at Gainsight. Totally. So I uh, actually fresh out of college was a tech recruiter in 2008, which was a horrible time to, to recruit anyone into jobs. jobs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that didn't last very long, but I was able to place one engineer for a company in Palo Alto called Box back in the early days. And so I tried le- leveraging my relationship there from the outside and was lucky enough to get hired at Box pretty early on in that company's journey. And so it was in a sales and kind of business development capacity sure. um, at Box. Uh, eventually went to a company called Live Office, which is Gainsight CEO Nick Meta's last company. Uh, and so we worked together at Live Office for a few years before selling that company to Symantec. And it was really right after that that you know Nick took some time off, was kind of thinking about what he uh, was going to do next. And he was presented with this opportunity to join the company that would become Gainsight. Sure. And he asked me to come on board and run marketing. And so done the sales thing, BD product, and had never actually done marketing before. So I was like, hey, well, this sounds good. Uh, I can learn on the job here, figure figure it out, (laughs) fake it while I make it. But thankfully, it's been kind of an amazing experience. And we've brought a lot of kind of first principles thinking into how to do modern B2B marketing, uh, how to market to kind of the people behind the logos that we're selling to. So a lot of this stuff was... uh, wasn't biased by 10 years of 20 years of marketing experience. It was, hey, how are we going to do this now and what's going to work today? Sure. Well, I mean, that's a perfect sort of intro to my next question is because, <laughs> you know, I know you're at SAS, you're talking about, you know, how you created a sort of category creating brand yeah. in a lot yeah. of ways. So I'd love to hear, you know, what was the category that Gainside created and maybe why? Totally. So, um, you know, only now looking back, do we say, hey, a lot of that stuff that we tried was category creation work, yeah. you know, for us. We saw that there was a job title that existed called the customer success manager. And we think Salesforce or someone probably got, has credit for, for creating that. But this was a group that was pretty underappreciated in, in the business. They didn't have you know, a ton of funding. The departments weren't large. There, they didn't have a sort of chief executive that sort of sat at the table. And so we felt like we had an opportunity to really help resource them, help you know, create some best practices, really uh, build a stage for them to share best practices with each other and network. And so a lot of our early investments were on things like early stage content about, hey, how do you build a team? How do you justify an investment in customer success to your CEO? Why should your board care? And so a lot of that stuff was sort of almost flying in the face of what the analyst community was telling us to do, where they were saying, hey, just go disrupt the support category or the account management. We're like, "That's, that's not what we're trying to do. That's not the vision. Sure. That's not what uh, the technology's enabled to do. You know, our vision is to really figure out a way to create a sort of platform for the customer success organization. And so this sort of overinvestment in the people versus the product pretty early on saying, hey, we're going to create events where they come together. That's just about industry and not about us. Sure. We're going to do, you know, content series like these podcasts 
different ways where we're helping resource them that way. Crazy things, like we recorded a rap song for some reason. Right. Um, <laughs> that was sort of like an anthem for those that were in the job. All of these things helped uh, add structure and add industry around the profession that existed called right. customer success. And today, you know, hopefully we were a small part of that becoming now a, a known entity and a, you know, an actual business practice uh, sure. that may not have been six years ago. And of interest, like maybe six years ago, under what org did customer success yeah. sit? Because I know you said the roles existed, but maybe not as formalized maybe as they are totally. today. Yeah, and e well, even today, I mean, I think there was you know, six years in, we've had some standardization, but in some cases you have the, the role rolling up to the account management or sales kind of group, which is probably folks that are either really renewals driven mm -hmm. or kind of upsell expansion revenue focused. In some cases, it's been like the services org or the support org really focused on adoption. But, you know, more and more, we're seeing a standalone organization all reporting up to the chief customer officer. Right. And we sell the B2B company. Mm -hmm. So folks that are have ongoing relationship responsibility with the customer, you know, we think that customer success is like a new stack kind of within that function sure. uh, within that overall department. And I suppose like maybe, you know, put me in the room maybe six years ago, obviously creating a new category is a sort of like, it's pretty terrifying <laughs> concept, I'm sure. And obviously as a marketer, you know, you were just like fresh in the door. Yeah. You know, there's not maybe necessarily a playbook that you can yeah. kind of take if no one's really done this before. So totally. I'm interested to hear like, what were the sort of tactics that yeah. you sort of like first deployed successfully, I guess, or which ones totally. worked, which ones didn't? So for us, uh, you know, we we went, went about it thinking less of, all right, this is a category. We said, hey, how can we become relevant to this audience right. how can we you know like what are the examples of people that have done this really really well and it was kind of hard in, to find b2b examples mm -hmm. i mean you can look to you know uber and lyft and others for you know on-demand transportation and all these different things but in, in b2b there aren't great examples we we have this this disruption playbook that i think has been kind of talked about quite a bit in b2b sure. marketing or taking a challenger sale position but we didn't we weren't unseating an, an incumbent. And then so some of the tactics that worked early were, and this is what, what was the stressful part was like, do a conference, right? Like 90 days into the job, we're hosting a conference. <laughs> like, okay, we've never done that before. What would that look like? Will they even come? Like, well, yeah. <laughs> do we have like four customers? I don't know if this is a good idea. And it, you know, bets like that, some of them ended up working. So you know, we leveraged our relationships to build a great speaker list. And we leveraged uh, that great speaker list to get some attendees. And, you know, next thing you know, now we've got this conference brand called Pulse uh, that sort of developed through that. So that was one of the early bets. Mm -hmm. um, the signal we got from it was, all right, when you make it not about yourself and your products and your technology, especially early, and you make it all about the sort of jobs to be done, mm -hmm. or the, the practice in and of itself, you build pretty strong resonance with that marketplace, whether it's customers or prospects. And so what, how can we do more of that? So it was, all right, we're going to build the blog, very similar to uh, Inside Intercom blog, right? Like all about how to be great in, right. in your job, how to self-actualize, how to get promoted, how to deliver great products. In that same spirit, I think, that, that we wanted to do the same for the customer success industry, webinars, all that sort of stuff, building kind of a partner ecosystem around us. Who else is thinking about this stuff? Sure. How can we leverage each other's opt-in mailing lists right. to yeah, kind of yeah, grow yeah. together back on people's exactly. networks as well exactly so that, i think that was kind of some of the tactics all built around that bet that paid off of not about us about you and how can we elevate that in more exciting ways sure and obviously this was kind of your first marketing yeah. role so i mean do you think that that was a 
a sort of a benefit in some ways that you're yeah. able to make these big bets that maybe a more seasoned marketer yeah, yeah. might not? I think so. Honestly, I it, it's tough to know. Six years in, I still have a job. So I, I, I hope <laughs> something's <laughs> gone right. Something's gone right. <laughs> I think so. Because I think, it, you know, there's a temptation to come in and say, all right, well, we need to spin up AdWords. We need to like, you know, kind of run down the gamut of the traditional tactics. You know, let's get our outbound SDR team calling. And in the early days, you know, if, if an outbound call, you know, went into someone said, all right, who runs customer success for you? They're like, what is customer success? Right. <laughs> who are you? Why are you calling me? Like AdWords, there was like no search traffic on the words customer success. So bidding on it was kind of useless. Yeah. So the traditional tactics wouldn't have really worked. But I'm, I'm pretty fortunate our CEO, Nick, is definitely uh, sort of an inspirational leader and someone who, uh, you know, we, we made a lot of these bets kind of hand in hand on trying to figure out what would work and what didn't. But yeah, I, I don't know what would have happened had I had tenured marketing experience coming in, running my playbook or whatever. Like, I don't, it may not have worked out quite quite this way. Sure. We'd be I'm, the proactive support <laughs> company for account managers, maybe. I'm interested <laughs> to hear more. Um, actually, we passed your booth earlier and yeah. we, we grabbed a copy of your book that, oh, cool. that Nick published. And, you know, publishing books is something that we're super passionate about. Yeah, so yeah. I'd love to hear more about sort of the concept behind publishing book yeah. and maybe the sort of benefits that you think that it's brought Gainsight. Totally. So the it was sort of a right place, right time thing. Wiley, the publisher, kind of asked us, hey, we're hearing about this customer oh, wow, success nice. thing. Or have you thought about writing a book? And very thankful we didn't accidentally delete that email because um, <laughs> you never know, right? If someone's trying to sell you something. You know, we had our chief customer officer at the time, like take a couple months off and go oh, out wow, into the wilderness okay. somewhere. That's a, that's a yeah. pretty incredible investment. Totally. It was like July, thankfully. So it was a little bit uh, light, lighter, <laughs> I suppose. You know, but he went off and, and wrote, wrote, you know, the majority of this thing. And it ended up being super impactful and and almost in a way that's unexpected, I think, because you think our business book's still a thing. Obviously, we believe in it. Certainly eBooks and the ability to engage with like uh, audiobooks and that sort of thing. But this was like, you know, we're printing this book on shelves kind of a thing. But there was quite a bit of good reception from, from the marketplace from it. Now, what we learned from it was the average business book sells uh, 5,000 copies in their lifetime, something right. like those lines. Literally, it's six months ago, last time we checked, we passed 50,000. Wow, that's incredible. Um, which has been great. Yeah. And the nuance is that it's accelerating. And so a book that is now four or five years old is selling more today than it was a year ago. So that's telling us, all right, there's something, there's some resonance here. The profession may, may be growing. Hopefully we've aligned the book as like the book of record for, for the profession. It's been translated and launched into the Japanese markets, the Portuguese, Brazilian markets in Brazil. Um, and so a lot of that's just inbound stuff to us. We're like, sure, like that sounds <laughs> sounds good, no cost to us. Absolutely, like let's yeah. champion it. So it, it, you know what it does, I think the learning is it's really like any great piece of content. It's helped us align our brand, our executive team, our point of view with the market and the profession that we're trying to create and trying to evangelize. And so from a brand building point of view, it's been great because it's one of those channels that now you know, associates Gainsight as the thought leader or the market leader in this space, they wrote the book. Like right. they, yeah, exactly, they're the ones yeah. that contributed to it. So I think that's kind of the learning for us. Any more in the pipeline? <laughs> yeah, actually. We're <laughs> actively thinking about that right now. The tough part is, you know, what happens when your category evolves and changes. And, right, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So I think that's kind of where we're at right now. So uh, watch this space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so you've kind of spoken before about one of the biggest challenges uh, that you face, you know, when creating the customer success category is this, concept of teaching while selling. Yeah. Uh, so I'd love to maybe if you could explain to listeners a bit more about that. Totally. The challenge we found again is that there wasn't an incumbent in the space. So it wasn't that there's a 
budget line item for customer success technology every year. And Hard to make that justification exactly. for, for buyers, yeah. Totally. We had to like, we can't unseat the person that was there before us. Like there wasn't a thing. We had mm. to get them to add the row in the, in the budget. <laughs> and so to do that, we we what we found is people came to the conference. They might have read the book. They, they loved that one webinar. So we won their hearts, mm. but we couldn't win their minds because they weren't empowered to actually buy, let alone, you know, six-figure, you know, software contracts for this stuff or they had to hire their team. There's still a lot of figuring out to do. So what we started doing was trying to find ways to teach them how to buy. And so we created things like a RFP guide, which was you know typically a, like a late stage content asset, something locked away for a sales rep to use. Right. We evangelized that. We put it at the top of the funnel. We promoted it quite heavily. We did things like a customer success technology buyer's guide for evaluating players in the space. Very biased, we're the ones mm. that wrote it, but you know, we were trying to create some framework for how to think about procuring technology for a problem that you've never procured technology to solve. Sure. And so those types of things, and then getting really heavy with customer testimonial work early, you know, if we had, let's say four or five customers, we try to get them all on video to tell the story, to write the case study, that sort of thing. And all of these things that again, you know, could be locked in like a content management system for a sales rep. We said, let's teach the world how to do this. Let's put it out there on social. Let's spend some money to distribute it and try to teach people how to buy. Right. So that was, I think, that in the ROI studies, like a lot of these things were, were some of those programs that were, that I think started working. Took a while. I think there's still to this, you know, a lot of early adopter type folks early in the chasm, you know, at this point, I think, get it. They're like, hey, we need, you know, a platform for this. You know, we're still working up to like the larger companies in the world that are digitally transforming in their own right and trying to figure out how to kind of move up market in that way. Sure. I think it's specifically interesting you were saying about, um, you know, actually, you know, using some of this sort of content that's further down the funnel actually yeah. and just kind of like bringing that at the Bring very top of the funnel. That's something, you know, we haven't really considered before. Yeah. And it's obviously pretty successful for you guys. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and I think the point I, I skimmed over the ROI point, but it, it's probably important to help create some urgency around like why you need technology for this, you have to attribute it to some type of, you know, dollar outcome, some type of revenue outcome or something. Sure. Uh, or efficiency outcome, something that you could really go and say, here's the why. Here's why this is no vitamin, it's, it's aspirin. Right. Would you say that all brands should aspire to create a category? I mean, there's a school of thought to say that, you know, you should actually enter yes. a credited proven yeah. marketplace um i mean like yeah. do you appreciate the, the the other sort of perspective yes. or like what like what are your thoughts on that nick and i had a joke on stage we were like please do if you learn anything from today do not create a category like <laughs> this is not like certainly not the easy road it's long and it's painful and it's hard to do a lot of planning short-term planning around things and you look at traditional kind of funnel metrics and you're like oh we this is the benchmark where we should be at and you're like yeah but you know, we're still kind of building TAM here. Like this is a, right. lot, a lot different of emotion. So quite honestly, I would say if you're not creating a category, like good on you, like keep going and, you know, take that disruptor playbook, challenge brands, be better, have a great brand. You know, I think that in, in that instance, I think brand still matters because products are somewhat becoming commoditized in time and people want to work with the companies that they want to work with. Sure. You know, if I want to store files online, there's probably 2,000 vendors now that I can do it, but I choose to work with Box right. because, and, you and know. And I think Box's success has kind of yeah. shown us that you, you actually can have so much success by entering yeah. a sort of credit marketplace, yes, you know, sure. with just like, you know, different marketing models for and sure. sort of sales rhythms as well. So Totally, totally. I do, you know, I, I think the, 
creating a category is, is might be a buzz term a little bit. I think for some folks that say, hey, there's a marginalized potential buyer or persona and no one's creating software for them in a meaningful way, that might be a clue saying, okay, maybe we should take the red pill, kind of go for that. But otherwise, I would say if, if you have a straightforward kind of TAM that exists and you, know, you have a great product for them, like do it. Sure. sure. And I suppose maybe just to wrap up, you know, if you're a sort of another marketing leader like yourself, you know, and you're thinking about, you know, creating a category, yeah. I mean, what are sort of looking back over the last like six years, like what are sort of the high level lessons that, yeah. that, that you share with them? So the first one, you know, I, I think I hinted a lot of this in our conversation, but one is careful to not take analysts word as law. You know, if you need to, we chose to literally ignore what Gartner and Forrester were telling us and it sort of made all the difference for us. Initially, at least. In, now, in now you listen to what they say. Now we listen to everything they say. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, you know, what's cool is things like G2 Crowd and Trust Radius, they've really put the customer at the center of actually deciding if a category is created or not sure. instead of Boston-based analyst firm. So so that's that's one big thing is, you know, trust your gut. Don't don't always think that, you know, an analyst is going to create the category. Second is focusing on the people behind the job, not just the products and, and the technology. And I think that's one thing unique to new categories is, is there's always a, a person behind right. it that you want to find a way to serve. And third is like, can you evangelize the profession just as much as you're evangelizing the the product set? And so, you know, that's where things like books, speaking at sales kickoffs, finding other ways to kind of get in front, even hiring evangelists internally that can help scale some of your content efforts. And maybe the last one, Nick referred to this, I like the term uh, being long-term greedy, but short-term like humble, I guess, whatever the opposite okay. of greedy yeah, is, yeah. in that doing some near-term planning around this stuff is really, really hard, but know you're building something great and sort of keep focused on that big picture. For us, that big picture is a LinkedIn chart that shows the growth in the customer success profession year on year, growing in triple-digit percentages every year, now over 32,000 folks, gosh, in December at least. Wow, uh, okay. So probably That's a lot better since then. 32,000 that hold the title? That hold the title, customer success manager. Wow, yeah. okay. Globally. Number one fastest growing job in Australia. Mm. Um, number three, I believe, in the States. And so seeing things like that, that's the sort of long-term ambition that keeps you engaged, keeps you in the game. Hey, we're, we're really doing something meaningful here. So I think that's kind of part of what the unique part of creating a category that is pretty fulfilling. Great. Excellent. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Inside Intercom podcast. For more interviews, go to intercom.com slash blog or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. This is Inside Intercom.